let's be real here, people. The current situation going on in the world at the moment is going to result in a massive, catastrophic, global economic recession. That's where we're going with this. And if you want to hear me talk more about that and more in depth, you can check me out on Patreon. But as a result of this massive, catastrophic global recession, which is coming, which will affect some countries more than others, Eddie Hearn knows, and I'm sure many other promoters know, that as soon as boxing resumes, they have to try and cash in and put the biggest fights on possible now before the economic collapse becomes complete. Because that's what we're talking about here, an economic collapse. So, Eddie Hearn has said in this interview here, and I think in a couple of other interviews, that he's looking to put the biggest fights on ASAP. And I did talk last year, and maybe the year before too, about how this current resurgence in boxing, and particularly the heavyweight division, is not going to last for long and there will be a slump. And I was talking about how the uh, the sport of boxing was in limbo in terms of being in the Olympics because there was long talk of boxing not being in the Olympics uh, for the next one, which was supposed to be this year. That's now been pushed back to next year. And I said that that could affect professional boxing. So enjoy this current heavyweight era for what it is right now because it won't last forever and boxing will go down into a slump again. Oh yes, it will. And this is why I always shake my head at all these miserable naysayers who always want to moan and complain about everything in boxing. Oh, it's not as good as it used to be. Oh, this heavyweight division's terrible. It's nowhere near as good as the 90s or the 70s and these guys are all rubbish. I ain't got no time for people like that. Because... When this era is over, that's when you'll really appreciate it. Because I was around in the 90s and the 80s, and I remember back then, there were staunch critics of the heavyweight division, even though it was a great era in the 90s in particular. There were legion, <laughs> you know, the, the amount of critics of the heavyweight division were legion, both in the general public and in the boxing media constantly running the division down but you look back in retrospect and think actually it was a really great era with really great fighters same thing now so as much as I thought that there would be a slump in heavyweight boxing and in boxing in general I didn't think it would come this quick I certainly didn't foresee uh, these th this situation that's going on in the world at the moment which we're all being impacted by I didn't foresee something like this happening so soon. And, you know, it is what it is. It's happened. This is going to have an impact on boxing, just as it's having an impact on many other uh, businesses, etc. So, Eddie Hearn is saying that we could see, once boxing resumes, Fury Joshua later on this year. Obviously, Deontay Wilder would have to take a step-aside deal. And... I personally think that Wilder should take a step-aside deal now more than he ever has. Look, Deontay Wilder has taken terrible advice in his career over the past couple of years. He should have taken the opportunity 
to fight Dylan White. He should have taken the opportunity to fight Anthony Joshua, particularly uh, the DAZN deal. You know, that was crazy to turn that down. He should have taken so many opportunities, Deontay Wilder. This right now is the opportunity to make right all the previous bad decisions and agree a step-aside deal where he faces the winner of AJ Fury. That's what he needs to do. That would be the most prudent thing to do because that means that his next fight is undisputed. Yeah, and let's say Anthony Joshua goes in there and causes causes an upset because that's what it would be. If he goes in there and causes an upset against Tyson Fury, I personally think from a stylistic point of view, Wilder has a better chance against AJ than he has against Fury. Boxing is chess, it ain't checkers. It's rock, paper, scissors. I think Fury is just a very, very difficult matchup for Deontay Wilder. Whereas AJ, if he gets past Fury, upsets the apple cart, that might be the way to go. And they would have to structure the deal. This is one thing I will say for Deontay. They'd have to structure the deal of the undisputed fight between Fury and AJ in such a way that if if uh, there is a rematch clause, it's not an immediate rematch. It's a rematch after the Deontay Wilder challenge. That's the way they would have to structure it. Now, obviously, that brings Dylan White in and Dylan White needs his mandatory shot and it might be complicated, okay? But I just feel like we don't know if a situation like is going on in the world at the moment with this current, you know, disaster. We don't know if another situation like that is going to happen just around the corner later on this year, next year. So now is the time to strike while the iron is hot. Now is that time. So as I say, Deontay Wilder has got the opportunity now to make his next fight the undisputed fight. Rather than having to go through Fury, don't, don't go through Fury to get the undisputed. Have the undisputed in your next fight guaranteed. Try and get that deal done. That's what I would say to Wilder. And for Fury and Joshua, they've both made their money. They're both fantastically rich. They're both done very, very well. So if boxing was to disappear, God forbid, or to just completely go down the toilet, then, you know, they can still sail off into the sunset and be relatively okay. But for history, there should be more pressure that they put on themselves at this point to make this fight sooner rather than later, given the current global situation. So hopefully Eddie Hearn is true to his word. And I think he will be because he understands that boxing is in jeopardy now. There are lots of different businesses and lots of different uh, sports, etc., which are in jeopardy at this point. The world is changing rapidly and not for the better. So if they, if there were certain fighters who weren't striking while the iron was hot before, well, they better damn sure do it now because they may never see the opportunity again. I think all of, all of us should be abundantly aware of that now. So let's see what happens here, people. I'd like to see the uh, Joshua Fury fight be the next one that either Joshua or Fury have. Maybe they can get a deal for Kubrat Pulev to step aside again because we're in exceptional circumstances at the moment. So maybe they can get 
Pulev to step aside, get Fury to step aside, uh, excuse me, uh, get Wilder to step aside, and then get AJ Fury on, you know? Now, obviously, it would be a mess after that <laughs> because you'd have Alexander Usek calling for his shot. You'd have Dylan White calling for his shot. You'd have uh, Deontay Wilder, obviously. But undisputed very rarely lasts very long. When Lennox Lewis became undisputed champion when he beat Holyfield in a rematch, he was only undisputed for a matter of months before he started getting stripped of belts. He got stripped of, I think, was it the WBA first? Because he was supposed to fight John Ruiz. And he went and fought Michael Grant instead. So his undisputed status didn't last very long. But while he continued to be champion, he was still regarded as the man. So nobody really thought that John Ruiz was somebody with a legitimate uh, claim to the throne because he hadn't been undisputed. And, you know, Lewis hadn't gone away or anything or retired, nothing like that. He was undisputed. He got stripped of a belt, but he continued to fight and he continued to be top fighters. So people still looked at Lewis as though he was undisputed, even though technically he didn't have all the belts. So you could see a situation where the winner of Joshua Fury, they might get stripped of belts. Dylan White could fight for a vacant belt. Wilder could fight for a vacant belt. Usek, etc. You know, that could happen, but they would still retain the status as the consensus champion in the, in the division, the winner of uh, Joshua Fury. And that's the most important thing. It's not that you have to become undisputed and keep the undisputed title ongoing for years. No, that's not necessary. Back in the days, you used to have that, of course. Mike Tyson was undisputed champion. Back then, there was only three belts, so it was a little bit easier. Mike Tyson was undisputed champion for quite a while. Uh, but in recent times, when you've had undisputed champions like Alexander Usek, obviously he moved up and the belts are now fragmented at Cruiserweight. Also, you had Terence Crawford. He was undisputed for a very brief amount of time. 140 pounds before the belts were fragmented and, he, fragmented and he moved up. So yeah, that's my take on it. I think that undisputed ASAP and allow Wilder to take a crack at the winner who will be the consensus champion, whether he's undisputed or not, he'll be consensus champion, which is as good as undisputed in this particular situation. Yeah, because you'll be the, the winner of the undisputed fight then fights Wilder straight after. Even if they don't have all the belts, we know that that's the fight. Yeah, we know that that's the because it's happening immediately. There's no big time elapse between the two fights. It's happening immediately. So anyway, those are just my musings on the current situation. Hopefully boxing will resume sooner rather than later. I know that the Anthony Joshua fight has now been cancelled or pushed back and that was supposed to happen in, was it June? So I don't know, will it resume in September, October? Because of the way things are playing out, I just think it's so important that we move straight into the undisputed fight because we don't know what's going to happen in this world around the corner at the moment, people. So let's get it on now. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's strike while the iron is hot and not let this opportunity pass us by. Hopefully, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, Eddie Hearn, Bob Arum, Frank Warren all have the same mindset and trying to do that. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening, I'm out.
Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. If I knew exactly when I was aiming for, it probably wouldn't be as bad, but I don't even know what month to aim for, never mind what, what date. So it, it's a bit frustrating, but we're all in the same position. Everyone's in the same boat. We've all just got to just keep keep ticking over, ready for when we do get the green light to just all... all I think it'll be a, a lot of shows back-to-back, so you've got to just be ready for one of them. I think, I was just saying, like a lot of people, I think, although you're in that position anyway, fighters are going to be looking to jump into bigger fights sooner now because they've lost half the year anyway. We know it's a short career anyway, but for you, that's kind of irrelevant because you want the biggest yeah. fight possible anyway. But it's now in anyway. I've always wanted the, the biggest fight possible, the best fights out there, and I still stand by that now. The minute the boxing gets, gets the green light to go ahead, I'll be looking for the biggest fight possible for me. We talk about the Canelo stuff. I mean, obviously, we spoke every day during that period. It was one day you were getting it, one day Billy was getting it. Now, maybe none of you will get it. But, it's, you know, at the time, everyone was concentrating so hard on that Cinco de Mayo fight with Canelo. Now even that one's up in smoke as well. But yeah. how was that for you? Because I know obviously having to update both sides and stuff like that. And I think if it's any consolation, you played it perfectly anyway. Yeah. You know, put a number together which, you know, probably undervalued you in the fight anyway. But you, you wanted that fight and were prepared to pay maybe less money than you thought you, you deserved for that. Yeah, it was it was a weird situation because obviously it was an exciting situation to be in. Oh, you're in a 50-50 chance of landing the biggest fight possible. It was also frustrating. It dragged on for quite a long time. and But it's one of them. I didn't get the fight, but I've no regrets. I've done everything I could to get the fight. I even lowered my number to, to lower than what I believe they were ending up paying Billy Joe. And they never got the fight. So I just don't think I was ever getting the fight anyway. But as I say, it was exciting at the time being in the negotiations. But... It is what it is. There's there's other fights out there for me. Well, before we go on to the future, I want to just go back to the last fight as well. Great fight in Liverpool with John Ryder. A lot of people didn't give him a chance in that fight. You knew it was going to be a tough fight. A lot of people thought that fight could have gone either way. You watched it back. You thought on the, the result, the performance particularly. And, yeah. and, you know, your thoughts about that November fight. Yeah, I watched it back straight away the next day just to have my own opinion on how we want to come out saying what I thought of it when I hadn't really watched it back and it was kind of similar to what I thought on the night obviously mass- I was massively disappointed in my own performance but I thought the result was the right right results it was a lot closer than what it probably should have been and what a lot of people expected but I won the fight in my opinion and I'll still stand by that Obviously it's difficult not to give John Ryder the credit as well but yeah. if you do feel like you underperformed do you feel that was a case of 
you know, a mixture of John Ryder being maybe overperforming yeah, and also over you being yeah, under-motivated for that. For, I mean, I, you know, I don't yeah, I think a bit him, of everything. It's hard to put your finger on one thing. Oh, there's a few things I didn't perform my own, to my own standards, but John Ryder was very good. Probably the best John Ryder we've ever seen. So when I say underperform myself, it's not taking anything away from Johnny. He done what he had to do. It was the biggest fight of his career and he turned up and he delivered. And that's all you can ask from, from him. I just feel the best version of me beats the best version of him. Ask, ask Danny Jacobs the question the other day, which was, I don't know if you saw yeah, it, how yeah, well, did he rate the, the super middleweights as well? But yeah. I want to get your opinion on the other champions as well. There's three other champions outside yeah. of course, Benavidez, Plant, and Billy Joe Saunders. How do you yeah. rate those three in terms of ability? It, it, it's oh, Danny, Jacobs, someone... Danny Jacobs is watching. He's just giving us a wave. Yeah. So you might be fighting him next. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good fight. a very good fight. By watching it, it sounds like he wants one more after the week before a big one. But it is a fight I'd love. And it's hard to split the other champions. I think they're all unbeaten. And they're all very different stylistically. I think. You know, obviously Billy Joel's talented, slick mover, not the biggest for the weight, but he's skillful. Plants a good mover, but good boxing ability. I don't think the biggest puncher where Benavidez probably doesn't have the boxing ability, the other two, but he's the biggest puncher out of them and probably the most spiteful. So fight with either of them, they're all tough fights, but they're all tough fights in completely different ways. The style is definitely very different, but not three very good fighters and fights I'd love to fight, whether it's 2020 or 2021. So we'll talk about Daniel Jacobs because he's online and watching as well. But great fight for you, one that we've talked about as well. Definitely one I can see happening. And a big fight in America as well. We know we looked at the Amsterdam yeah. fight for the summer and it's a big UK fight as well. I know Danny would love to fight in the UK, but that's also a big fight for Madison Square Garden or New York particularly. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive fight. You know, I've got a lot of respect for Danny. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big name. Both Are you saying that because he's online? Or? No, I've always said that he's a good fighter. <laughs> I like him inside the ring and outside the ring. You know, he seems like a gentleman. and He's a good fighter, former two-time world champion. I believe I'm the best in the world at 168. And I beat anyone in the division. And he's got a big profile in the, in the States and in the UK. So it's definitely a fight. Now, if I can't get a fight with another champion, a unification fight, then it's probably the fight that makes sense more than any other one. So if I could give you your dream, but I know that take, let's take Canelo out of the picture right yeah. now. And by the way, with everything going on in the world, you can't even rule out that you end up getting the Canelo <laughs> yeah. fight next. But if you could one. fight one of those champions, who would you pick in the 68 division? Any, any, whatever one can be made. They say the three of them are probably as good as each other. They're all good fights and they're all world champions. So I it's... do think you, you against Billy Joe is a great fight for British boxing. But I do yeah, think... that's probably the biggest fight is domestic. But, but but I do think you against Benavidez is a brilliant fight. Yeah, Two yeah I think that's an exciting fight. Two, two big ones for the weight, and think it'd be be a good fight to watch. That's probably the best one to watch stylistically. Well, mate, listen, thanks for coming on. Damn Love to the family. And uh, in touch soon. Stay ready. Stay yeah, ready. I will do. I will. Hey, Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking the icon right here and also hit the bell button so that you can get alerts every time we upload a new video. We also had the uh, rather odd announcement from UCAD and the WBC's clean boxing program, as well as VADA, about a suspension of drug testing, Eddie. Now, something that we always like to talk about when we get together, that is, to me at least, from the outside looking in, not the wisest announcement to make. Just your thoughts on that. Uh, twofold. One, completely agree with you. Two, probably testing policy and protocol have to let the governing bodies 
probably am fighters as well know that they won't be testing during this period. Sounds ridiculous because obviously to Joe Bloggs, they would say, well, you're letting fighters know you're not testing them. But I'm pretty sure they would have to let the governing bodies know and in turn that would actually get out. So they probably felt better to make a statement. Um, it's it's the right decision. I mean, you know, you, you just don't have the volume of people, doctors, laboratories right now to test that sample of athletes. So, but by the way, uh, any additional VADA testing is still running. Um, and we have fights in place that are still being VADA tested. That's when we pay the additional fee on top of um, like a, a global system like the WBC or like UCAD uh, with the British Boxing with Border Control. Um, so some are still running, but the, the random stuff for those particular uh, governing bodies aren't. So I, I understand what you're saying, but I do think they probably have to alert people and let them know they won't be testing because they might be liable themselves. You know, if they haven't done a certain amount of tests within a time or I don't know, I don't know how their contracts work, but they, they couldn't fulfil their duties. Is there anything that you could do um, for your roster of fighters to enable or ensure that they are being tested in some way, shape or form during this lockdown? Not really. I mean, you know, it involves, again, all our bigger fights that are signed. You know, you've got Povetkin and Gillian White and Usyk and Chisora. That continues. But you, it's impossible with, you know, over 100 fighters to create a testing system and I, it's not even that, Rob. I don't think they're available. You know, I don't think you could go to Varda now and say, "Can you find? Can you test a hundred fighters for me, randomly over the next three months?" And I'm not trying to swerve it, but it's also not our job. Mm. You know, that that's the job of the governing bodies to make sure that testing's in progress. We already spend, I don't know, four or five hundred thousand pounds a year in providing additional testing for our fighters and our fights. But in this situation, it's a unique situation where, you know, in an ideal world, it would be continued and there would be testing right now. But there are bigger things to worry about in labs and with doctors and scientists. Just final question, Eddie. Um, we've seen in the last week or two, I don't know how long it's been going for, but Anthony Crawler, Richard Poxon and Larry Olabamiwo have um, started like a little... I think it's like a house party show that they're talking about. Right. They've spoken specifically about performance-enhancing drugs. Now, Larry, of course, when he was an active fighter, he was he was busted, quote-unquote, for performance-enhancing drugs. He's since then sort of turned to the other side and started to talk about his experiences and what he felt was going on when he boxed and what's going on now. He said that he believes 80 to 90% of pay-per-view fighters are currently or have been exposed to performance-enhancing drugs. Two questions. Do you agree with that? And secondly, if you do agree with that, what can we do to change it? Well, I think that's absolute rubbish. And that's being said by a guy that's been busted for peds and probably is trying to make it sound like, you know, well, everyone's doing it anyway. It is completely impossible for the testing processes we have in place for pay-per-view events. And I'm not saying there's a problem. There's not a problem in boxing. But to single out pay-per-view events where they are actually the ones that do get the additional testing. You know, Dillian White, uh, Povetkin, Derek Chisora and um, Usyk, these have got anywhere from eight to 14-week testing program programs 
with VADA, where they're testing two, three times a week. You know, you've seen, look, look, even in the last, you know, we lost shows. Uh, Gerald Miller against Anthony Joshua. Tyrone Spong against um, Usyk. Five days out from the fight, you know. So we're the ones that are paying for that testing and actually busting fighters that are, is causing us financial problems and, and logistical problems on the show because we're getting the results where we got to pull out, we've got to find the new fighter, we've got to go off sale, we've got to cancel the event, but we're still choosing to go through that process. You know, some would say, well, actually, we shouldn't even bother. We should let the governing bodies do it and say, it's up to you guys. You know, we're running the event. If you're clear to fight, you're clear to fight. But we're actually paying for and implementing the testing program, whether it's White against Povetkin, Taylor against Serrano, another, you know, obviously Joshua against Pulit. Joshua is the most tested athlete or boxer by a mile. He's getting four or five tests a week combined with UCAD and Varda. The amount of blood they take off him is ridiculous. So for Larry to say that is is is, is idiotic, to be honest with you, um, because it's just not the case. Um, and, and I don't think pay per view fighters. When you talk about if you talk about matchroom pay per view fighters, I think sorry, to, sorry one, to interrupt, Teddy. I think like the the suggestion was that level of fighter certainly wasn't um, anything specific well, to no, matchroom okay. oh, well, elite level fighters, you. elite level. Okay, well I can I can just tell you that on matchroom pay per view events. All of those events are covered by VADA, right? An external payment system that is a complete and utter thorough testing process. And so in that respect, to say that 80 or 90%, and I know he didn't say match and pay-per-view events, but I'm talking about of that level as far as I'm concerned, are less likely to cheat. America on non-matchroom shows, because again, you know, we just come off our last show, uh, what's an example, Vargas, um, against Mike Yossi, both additional VADA testing for that fight that was run by us, paid for. Um, so on non-matchroom shows, I still don't think 80 or 90%. It's a ridiculous statement. It's a ridiculous number. But there are definitely fighters cheating. Definitely. And there's no... Um, unless other organisations, top-ranked DBC, and I'm not saying they don't test all their fighters, but they definitely don't have as rigorous testing in place as matchroom. And there are definitely fighters cheating. And I'm sure there's been a fighter or fighters that have cheated on a matchroom show. I've got, you can't you can't keep everybody in the net, you know, but there are definitely more fighters outside of matchroom events that are cheating. But 80 or 90%, that's basically saying 80, 90% of elite fighters are cheating on drugs. Absolutely ridiculous. Total rubbish. Okay, all right, Eddie. Well, I do appreciate your time, mate. Before I let you go, um, mm. actually, two things before I let you go. Who have you got on your live tomorrow? Because I'm going to need to have ripped that content. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, mate. <laughs> That's really good. Is that how does that work? Just basically, if it's a live, anyone can rip it. No, so if it's well, the way that I do it at least is um, if it's Matchroom, I will speak to Matchroom. If it's your own personal live, then you know, unless you tell me off, I'm going to rip it down. But 
as I, under- as, as I understand it, um, Scott, um, we're we're actually yeah we've put they our social media guys got the hump they got really pissy about oh, it so Scott's got my uh, phone number he just needs to let me know what time it's called cool to go out so, and that's no we're doing a new thing now we're saying let us run it first and you guys can have it after. absolutely so, no problem but who have you got so anyway tomorrow I've got Callum Smith Josh Kelly Lewis Ritson Terry Harper Cash Farouk. I think one other as well. Yeah, so just trying to obviously keep everyone relevant. And I think that's the thing now, Rob, is we're on such a great run. We've got to keep boxing relevant. Mm. Got to keep it in people's minds. And stuff like this interview, stuff like the lives tomorrow, you know, the stuff you're saying about Crawler and Pox and anything like that, any content where fans can engage, keep interested in the sport is good news because when we come back, it's not going to be easy. So we've got to make sure that we're ready to go. Okay, and when we do come back, Eddie, what three fights would you make if you could make any three fights? Joshua Fury, Brooke Khan, and Fowler Fitzgerald. Not Canelo Saunders? Yeah, that's mate, pretty much. Oh, yeah, I guess so. so. Akhmedalia versus Navarrete. Yeah, good fight. Okay, or, all right, Eddie. Or... Julia or Chocolatito against Estrada. Yeah, rematch be good. Rematch be good. Or Julio Cesar Martinez against Estrada. Be up for that as well. Yeah. Devin Haney against Ryan Garcia. What's going to go? That's... What's going on with the WBC lightweight situation? Because Haney's going to be healed so, up by the time this happens, right? Yeah. So Haney's saying, and he's he's uh, written to the WBC to say, "I'm ready." So I'm not in recess. I'm ready. But obviously, the WBC have already ordered Campbell Fortuna. So, I'll but, leave it up to them. But, but for me, you know, it's very difficult for them to turn around and say, sorry, guys, we know we ordered that. But, you know, this like this, this has just thrown up so many additional problems to already a crazy world. But Devin is preaching right now. And listen, he's got a right to do it. That I'm ready. I'm I'm not in recess. He He's going to be in some big fights this year. And, and I really want to make Devin Haney against Ryan Garcia. I'd like to see it too. That £135 WBC lightweight title oh, situation yeah. over the last 18 months has been an absolute yeah. nightmare. But um, thanks the very division's much. so good. You know, the division's so good. It's probably the best division right now. I think so too, yeah. Mm. All right, Ed. Well, thanks very much for your time, mate. Um, do no appreciate worries, it. And hope to catch up with you soon. But yeah, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social. Take care. Cheers, Cheers Ed. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. By the Richards, no, no doubt about your nickname from the T-shirt. So, oh come on, you got to be representing twenty-four-seven. <laughs> In case anyone was confused, uh, <laughs> how, how are you getting on so far with um lockdown life? Good, good. You know, it's been a bit up and down at first. Um, you know, I just felt like we were trapped and not much we could do. But we didn't know how long it was going to be for. But now I feel like now we know it's going to be a long period. I have to set up shop to make sure. I can, you know, stay motivated and keep doing my thing. And what have you? What is what is it you've been doing? I know you've done some of the stuff on social media, some workouts and stuff, which I'm sure a lot of people appreciate. So it gives them something yeah. to do. But how else have you been filling your time? Just doing runs, 
uh, obviously circuit training. I've got my weights in it here now. Um, and then also keep myself occupied and just not just training, but mentally to keep me going. App, I've been using maybe like the house party app. Um, you know, that's been fun. Keep myself occupied and just uh, studying the sport and stuff. Just different stuff to keep my mind occupied and keep me going through this quarantine time. And have you been in touch with Peter and, and some of the lads? Yeah, I was talking to Peter yesterday on video call. He's having the uh, yesterday. You know, he's there as well, quarantined him. Uh, we're just talking about how we've been finding it, except uh, we've been touching him with the lads every day, just uh, just monitoring what we've been doing each day to keep going through the quarantine and you know keep still pushing each other virtually, um, updating each other what we've been doing each day. Still competitive in the group. Now, whatever you've just done with your phone, you've cut your own head off. That's it. That's oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. yeah, yeah, better, better. Yeah, so you're still in touch with Pete, you were saying. Now, just before the lockdown started, oh, where's he gone? So just before the lockdown started, you obviously yeah. withdrew from a fight with Shaq and Pitters. Yeah. Set for March 28th, you were injured. And that was going yeah. to be rescheduled. Obviously, um, Shakan was going to fight Chad Sugden instead, who you fought yeah. in your last fight. Then that's now, because of the lockdown, that's been postponed. What's your understanding of what's going to happen when we all come back? Will you just go straight in or does Sugden still get his shot? Well, I think I should really go straight back in because, obviously, I was I caught the virus. So I was out with the virus for three, four weeks. Then, obviously, the virus has come to England properly. And the whole show stopped because of the virus. And the same reason I was out is the same reason the show's been pulled. So I wouldn't see why or not I wouldn't be straight back in. So you've actually had it? Yeah, I've had the virus. About, I had it for like three and a half weeks to four weeks. Wow. And that's why we realised that I wasn't going to be able to fight. Because after being three weeks, I still wasn't better after three weeks when we made the decision. I was still bedbound. It was three weeks to, um, had gone. And I'd still not, I was still not recovered. So... It was like, well, if we don't know when you're going to be better, we've got this virus and the fight's going to be in four or five weeks, you're going to train for three, three to four weeks. At best, if you recover now, um, it's just not it's just not suitable. And rather than trying to wait and see how we go along, as I said before, I've had that happen to me, obviously in a ball fight where they pulled the plug on me on fight room and it ain't mass. So I'd rather like give everyone, watch even the fans and everyone, the heads up to people who make their arrangement. People don't start booking hotels or, you know, he's he can't even get a fight because I pulled out on fight week and he has to wait. So I thought Peter said it would be best to, if you're not if you're not fit and well, and we know this now, better let them know now. I mean, on the plus side, it means you're likely immune now from the virus, which is yeah. good. Um, what what was it like? Tell us. Obviously, you were on the bench for a while with it, so I'm guessing pretty severe. It's not nice. It's like you're really fatigued. Um, people think it's just a bit like a cold. It is a little bit, but it's not. It's not. It's like um, you do get a few cold and flu symptoms, but it's just the the hardest part for me is just like the fatigue and tiredness. So it's like one day you'll feel alright, um, and then the start of it I felt alright-ish, and then it was like I just felt tired to train, but I didn't feel like I could still operate normal, like going to the shop and stuff. But then if I went out for a few hours, then I would just dip. For the next couple of days, I was just bed-bound. And so I tried to even go and start off the free to go and try and do a strength session to see if I can, like, come back and, you know, like, build yourself in. Because sometimes I've, like, had cancer, I've got ill, and I've had to work through a cold or 
work for a fluent and over it's hard at first but over time you get through it but i tried to do that strength and i was useless like what i usually do in for a warm-up i was doing for exercises and getting tired short of breath so then we realized there's no way you can you can even train like this and it took you a long time to recover from it when did you notice kind of the symptoms starting to ease off a bit um do you know what? You don't really notice because it's like still sometimes after a period of time you still get a bit of that tiredness and um thing. But I think this is a sort of virus, it does take a long time and I can understand why we're quarantined now because if I'm feeling like this over such a long period of time, how much people would I come into touch with over these weeks and they will catch it, it'll be a virus that goes on forever. So I can understand why you have to stay away from people, otherwise everyone would have it forever. So as a symptom, I think it lasts for a long time. Did you get a sense when you got it? Because obviously there wasn't all this reporting of it back then. Did you get a no. sense of that it was something different from standard flu? Yeah, um, I don't want to really throw a few of the boys in it, but a couple of boys kind of had it, uh, who I was around, and I think I got it off them. But at first I thought, and then Peter got it also as well. Um, and... He was like, how are you feeling? We're checking on each other each week and he was having like the same dips and ups and we was like, this is not right. And he was like, this is some weird flu virus. But this is obviously before we knew about this major corona thing coming to England. So we knew it was unusual because I've, I've got sick loads of times in camp, but like three, three to five days, you're usually back on your feet and raring to go. So that's what I kind of thought would be one of them simple kind of factors. But three, four weeks is when you start thinking, like, what's going on here? But I didn't. I still didn't notice. I didn't even think it was anything to do with this COVID nineteen thing because it wasn't so big then. So, what's the what's the kind of plan for you in terms of getting back? So, have you had any kind of whispers from anyone either on your management team or promotional wise, have given you an indication of when boxing might be back? No, we just know that it's been banned again for the next couple of months longer. So yeah. Maybe been cancelled and stuff. Um, and I think the board is. Um, it's not even really to promote us, it's the board we're going to be playing it month by month, year by year, to see when they're going to commence boxing back. So we're all just like, if really, all of us have a finger crossed and just hope to get back. It's not even just, for us it's frustrating because also it's like, um, we can't fight, which is what we love doing. We can't train because the gyms are closed, but also we're not watching any new boxing either. Yeah. Like all the shows, that's what we, like, we thrive for. Like, oh, Saturday, who goes this week? Oh, I'm yeah. tuning in. Nothing to what, nothing for us to do. So it's kind of like it's like a gap year really for us. <laughs> and what's the? Uh, how hard has it been from a financial perspective? Because obviously you're still having to eat right, train as much as you can, albeit not at the gym. But there's no yeah. paycheck at the end of it, not for a long time. Yeah, exactly. You got to be pretty smart. Um, I think like this is the time when it really makes sense for fighters to have not been eating hand-to-mouth. See, like, obviously a lot of fighters might go out and blow their money and then wait for the next paycheck. But it's like, these sort of times is why some of the smart fighters don't just waste money. You have money there just in case for camps, etc. And you've got sponsorships as well who kind of can help you get through. But also on a financial point, you're still a bit like, because you don't actually know. It could be a year time till you fight again. It's eight. We don't have a clue. So you just literally don't know when you're going to get paid next, really, on that sort of lump sum. 
So it's all about kind of managing your money sensibly and, and hopefully some help from sponsors for some boxers as well, I guess. Yeah, that's all it is really. And obviously not a lot of fighters get the fortune of sponsors and it is very frustrating because our job, you get paid and then there's nothing going on. And it's not even like you can go and really do a side job at this period of time. You can't even go and possibly even probably do PT in because the gyms are closed. Yeah. You can't go and do maybe security on a door because the clubs are closed. <laughs> There's nothing for people to even have a side hustle to do. You go work in Tesco, so here they're busy. <laughs> oh, a little bit. Most of them closed down. Even McDonald's are closed down. I was going to apply. <laughs> well, in Tesco's today, I was queuing up outside for 10 minutes before I could even get in. It's crazy. I kind of got a key code. I kind of asked my sister. My sister went and she told me she in the queue. As soon as she got in there, I rang her and told her what I need transfer the money and that's that time. <laughs> yeah. See, that's smart. And that's, that's an example of being smart with your money. That's good stuff. Um, Obviously, your kind of ambitions for the year are going to change now because of the delay. Assuming yeah. still, though, that ending 2020 as British champion, not too bad yeah. a year. Not too bad of a year. Any year you make progress and pick up battles, you just got to be kind of grateful, really. Um, some years are slow. Fights can get cancelled. But I've had MBC before. I've had fights cancelled for nearly eight months before without quarantine so, or um, corona. So... Um, with this sort of sport, you just got to be happy every time you can make progress and keep moving forward and don't get disheartened. If a sport that's easy to get disheartened, get frustrated and really go, go on a down ass. So it's all about just staying positive and staying strong um, through no matter what happens, really. Brilliant. Well, I really appreciate your time and um, I no. look forward to doing it in person as soon as we can. Oh, me too. It's always good hearing from you. How have you been finding this? Um, mentally it's very challenging because obviously I do about half the job at home and half going yeah. out meeting people interviews press conferences all stuff like that and now it's just completely at home so it's almost like yeah. being unemployed but still having to work <laughs> I know the feeling yeah it's, it's odd like the first week I was like really like I'm not going to let this defeat me I was training in my garden and stuff like that but then as time goes on it kind of makes you lazy even though you don't want to be a hundred percent. You know what? That's what I'm saying. It was like first week I was enthusiastic, killing my rounds, doing my circuits. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be going through this. When they extended the corona, it was like, oh. <laughs> and then I thought, and then I also got to talk back to the boys and stuff. And then I said to myself, right, get back on it. Like, don't let this just derail you. Stay focused. Are you in the group chat with um, Waldy and all the rest of them? Yeah, yeah. Because I hear there's yeah, a bit so. of competition going on about who's doing the runs and who's got the gym facilities yeah. and all that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's it, it's quite competitive in the group. So especially <laughs> when you're the boy that just smashed out a good run, they're all putting the times in and you're sitting at home, scratching your head, you're like, where's my track? Where's my earphones? Let me get out. Because that's what I'm saying. It's the energy rubs off each other. You're seeing other athletes performing. You want to be the best. They want to be the best. They're working harder. You're thinking, no, I need to up my game if they're doing that today. So it's that's another thing that's kept me motivated of seeing all the boys and that um, pushing still and working hard and making me have to work hard as well. Brilliant. Well, yeah, I can't wait till I get to see you all properly in yeah. the gym instead of um, over video call. But I still appreciate you doing it, obviously. It's, we need, just like you need to keep yourself busy, we need to keep um, fans having content as well. So. It's good that people are adapting. Yeah, don't worry, man. Just love, love you. Keep working. Keep pushing out the content and helping the fans. You're doing your bit.
Andrew McCart, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm delighted to be joined by WBO Super Featherweight Champion of the World, Jamal Herring. Jamal, I interviewed you out in Vegas. It was <laughs> totally different times then. Obviously, right. with the pandemic that's going on all around the world, first and foremost, how are you and how's your family? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, I can't complain. My family is um, well and well and healthy, um, more importantly. But, um, you know, I'm just eager, like, just like the rest of the world, just to get back get back on track. But overall, you know, I'm, I'm happy and just using this time just to reflect on, the, you know, the, the greater things in life. Definitely. I mean, I interviewed, I interviewed you out in Vegas uh, for the Wilder, in Wilder Fury 2 fight week. We were talking a lot about the Carl Frampton fight and how it was almost done and how excited you were to go to Ireland and fight Carl because you're going to get the best Carl and blah, 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 blah. Now, obviously, what's happened? How is your mindset now? How are you frustrated or, or what? Um, not at all, not at all. And the reason why I'm, I'm not frustrated because you know the fight still wouldn't take place until June. And um, if I wanted to do a full eight week training camp, I would I would literally start with camp um the third week of this month. So I would still have that time set frame, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm still have programmed in my head. Like even if it, even the fight gets pushed back maybe a couple of weeks from the June 13th date. I'm still in range that, you know, from the time I should be, you know, working anyway. So right now I'm just, in, you know, taking the time just to um, sit back and reflect and just, you know, focus on other things. But um, for the most part, I'm not I'm not worried about it. I mean, like I said, we all know it's going to be um, pretty much a summer matchup anyway. So if these things clear up like, like they should in the world, we should be um, still be on somewhat on schedule. How close was the deal to be made? Was the deal made? Was a contract sent? Was a contract signed? How how close was this fight um, being made? They had a contract drawn up. A contract was drawn up, but when the whole um, coronavirus hit, they had to um, you know hold from sending me the contract to sign because they didn't know what promoters, especially um, around the world, were going to do. So they didn't want to have a contract with a set date. And, you know, that could potentially have got pushed back anyway. So until we basically get a definite answer in terms of, um, you know, the, the world health, um, you know, they won't they won't send me the contract. But we pretty much, um, Carl and I pretty much have, um, you know, uh, right now pretty much a handshake agreement. Like we both we both agreed to the fight. We both agreed to the terms. Um, I think everything's set on both ends with the purse and everything like that. So for the most part, we just need signatures and um, the location. But you know we had the date in mind, which was June 13th. But we still just need to um just to sign on the dotted line and um you know the venue. You still happy to come to Belfast for this? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think I was pretty um I think I'll be pretty upset if I can't get to. (laughs) Now I mean I don't doubt of going to Belfast. I I just don't. I just hope that with this whole um health scare that it it keeps the general public indoors instead of you know coming out when the fight is made because you know. You know, it'll still be fairly, you know, uh, early in terms of um, when Carl and I fight from the coronavirus scare. So a lot of people probably won't, still won't, won't be, will be afraid to come out because of that. And um, I think that that'll be the um, the thing that I heard that'll hurt the most. Even though it's not like it's not my, you know, hometown, but I still want that environment. You know, I still want that big environment, and I still want to, um, you know, put on a good performance in front of a huge crowd. It has to be a summer event if that's going to happen in the football stadium. Obviously, the, the, the soccer season is obviously yeah. stopped right now because of the virus. But normally, it's between May and August that the gap is for the soccer. Now, as well, the weather in Belfast isn't that great. Are you still hoping for the stadium fight in this summer? I, 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 
Of course, I would like that stadium because um, what not every world champion can say they fought in a stadium that huge. And not everyone can say they 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 fought in a stadium with twenty five thousand people. You know, there's a lot of world champions that have um that have been around and they're still fighting in front of smaller crowds. So why not take the opportunity, to, you know, to fight in front of the biggest crowd possibly my whole entire career? So of course I, I want to um you know I want to be a part of the biggest event, one of the, one of the biggest events of the year. So yeah, definitely. Obviously, you're confident you're going to beat Carl. I mean, I think it was Carl's last fight when he fought McCrory, I believe it was, out in Vegas. You were in the ring with him. Now, the height difference was very, very noticeable for anyone watching on TV and ringside. I mean, you are so much taller than than Carl. Is that going to play a factor going into this? I think, if anything, um, not just the height, but the reach. Um, But um, like I said, I give Carl all the the credit in the world. He he didn't have to take the fight. Um, That's why I had no issue going to Belfast. Like, you know... um, Carl Carl is, is is a great champion. I mean, he he's done a lot in you know in two in two separate divisions, and he wants to make history in the third division. So, you know, with the, with that attitude, you got to you got to give Carl the respect because he he's willing to take the risk. Of, you know, of going. Of, you know, we all know that um we can say that basically super featherweight light you know junior lightweight is not his natural weight class, of course. You know what I mean? But you know what I mean. In order to be great, you have to take risk, and you got to give him that. But I think if anything. I just got to be smart because he beats me in the um in the experience factor. Like Carl's been in obviously more um high profile profile fights in his career, and I give him that respect. I think I just have to be smart and not overlook him because um like I said, um, Carl Frampton is, is a great champion. All going well for you against somebody like Carl. I know it's kind of hard for us to talk about boxing with what's going on in the world, but it's, <laughs> it's I guess it's kind of a release for us because we're, we're boxing men. But all going well for you against Carl. Whenever that fight would be. Are you looking for something like Leo Santa Cruz, another big name, another big fight? Uh, okay, of course. Next I mean, I mean if you, you want to keep shooting for the best um, possible fights out there. I mean, um, like I said, Carl Framley is the biggest fight in my career to date. But, um, of course, you want to go for um, more belts and other, other champions as well. And, and in the junior lightweight division, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, great fights to be made. So, and of course, Leo Santa Cruz is one of the guys on my radar as well. Again, as well as guys like, you know, Miguel Patrell, who's considered the number, the number one super featherweight in the world. But yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of potential and a lot of great matches that we can make in the boxing world. But, and I believe that um, Carl Frampton and I are, are one of those big fights that are being made now. I mean, it'll be watched all over the world. The UK fight fans, the US fight fans, it'll be screened all over. Again, I mentioned your size there when you were head to head for calling the ring back in Vegas, it'll be a while back. The height difference on you was somebody to see have you got any plans are you okay making junior lightweight super featherweight at this moment in time would you ever move up to lightweight um, yeah. I mean because I have a um, nutritionist with um, perfecting athletes um, Paulina Denise and Michelle over there they, they do a great job um, they not only they make sure that I make weight but they make sure that my body stays healthy you know because you know I'm getting older too just as, just as much as you know, Carl's getting older but they make sure I put the right fuel in my body to um, keep my body in tip top shape as long as my um, strength coach Jamie Belt, so I like all those individuals play a key factor in me staying in this weight class. But yeah, there's this ah, there's definitely this, um, great fights up north as well in the lightweight division and so on. But right now, there's so much potential in the super super featherweight division. Why not you know soak that all up and make the most of it now before I, you know we make the decision of going back up in weight. I mentioned obviously we were out in Vegas together. Now, I, I talked to you before the Fury-Wilder fight. I can't remember what you said. I think you said Wilder that might, might win this yeah. fight. 
I didn't speak to speak to you post fight. Now that you've seen the fight and you've watched the fight back, and it's been a few months to digest, what's your thoughts on Tyson Fury's performance and whole I'm fight a, itself? Um, I'm not, honestly, I'm not. I'm not surprised that Fury won. I'm, I'm just more surprised at the outcome. I always said, like, if Fury took it to the um, took it to the decision again, that he was going to win it because I thought he won the first fight to begin with. I thought, I thought he was just, um, you know. I didn't think he was going to get that same luck of the draw. Well, I can't even say luck, but, I, you know, that same outcome of, like, because Wilder's always a dangerous punch. So it was like, you know, it was like, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, playing, playing in the street. You know, you may, you may dodge one car, but if you try to do it again, you make it hit again. And it was like, you know, I, I wasn't too sure that he was going to, you know, because Wilder's always looked better in rematches anyway from his, you know, his, his two rematches he had in his career. But he's in the run, yeah. I, I was definitely, I'm surprised with the outcome, but, um, I gave Tyson Fury all the credit in the world. I mean, I, I consider Tyson Fury after after that performance the best heavyweight without a doubt in the world right now. So um, I mean, of course, you still got um the great fights he made. Like I would I like to see a UK fight, big UK fight with him and Anthony Joshua for all the belts. You know, that'd be a great fight. Um, and I'm all for it. Even you know, like they're not my country man, but I support boxing and I um I give credit to where credit is due. And those two individuals definitely put on a great show, but. Yeah, I mean, like Tyson Fury right now, to me, is the best heavyweight in the world, and I give him all the respect in the world for that. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask, are you, as an American boxing, as a fighter and a boxing fan, are you bothered that all the belts are in the UK at this moment in time? Because the US has been incomplete for so long. I look at it like this. As long as the sport continues to grow and get their proper exposure, I don't mind where the belts are. Like, even go back to Carl Frampton. I became a... A big fan. I'm like I tell people all the time. I'm a Frampton fan. Um, you know, I tuned in when he fought Scott Quick. That was a big event, and that, that was a that was a big fight. I mean, I enjoyed the fight. I um I rooted for him when he when he fought um Leo Santa Cruz. Um, you know what I mean? I I, I thought I thought in the second fight with Leo Santa Cruz, I thought he just got a little too more uh, trying to be a little too aggressive than because to me Carl is a really good boxer, and in the first Leo Santa Cruz fight. He boxed um, Leo really, really well, and he like just like what he did with Scott Quick. Carl is a is a really good boxer. I thought, you know, maybe he got a little bit more braver in the second Leo fight, which made him a little more aggressive to um to open him up and give Leo chances, and that's mm-hmm. why he didn't get that decision. But I was actually looking forward. I was hoping for a third fight because I thought they've already, you know, they could at least give um Carl Frampton the third fight out of respect. But yeah, for me, I'm just a boxing fan, so I was tuning into. Not only just the American fighters, but I turned into fighters all, all around the world. That's good. To, that's good to see. What part of the states are you in right now, Jamal? Oh, right now I'm in um, Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm in Cincinnati. Right. How's it like out there with everything that's going on in the world? Oh man, it's actually been good. You know, me being originally from New York, that's where we're having the most um, issues with the um, coronavirus um, right now. But my family um, out there is well and safe, thank God. But um, right now, yeah, Cincinnati is just um, is, is really quiet, so I can't complain. Definitely. But before I let you go, and obviously, again, thanks for taking some time out to speak right. to me. Uh, hey, we I mean, got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. We can talk boxing all day. Which <laughs> exactly. Just, have you got a final message for like your fans and the people that are watching this uh, this video, this interview at the moment? Um, I'd like to say, I just like to say, um, you know, for one, thank you for thank you for this because, like I said, um, right now we need these platforms to stay relevant, and I, and I, and I always give credit to the you know to the media and everyone. That, as uh, may probably more than other fighters do, but I, you know, I give you guys <laughs> credit you, for what you guys do. Exactly, I give you guys credit for what you guys do. 
But um, yeah, I just want to just like, bro, just more importantly, just stay, continue to stay safe out there. Um, be patient. Just as much as um, you guys are all eager for things to go, go back to normal. The fighters and and the in the working force behind us, they're just as eager as well. But other than that, you know, the, anybody who wants to reach out to me, they can find me at Jamel Herring on Twitter, Instagram. You know me, man. I, I'm always fan friendly, so I have no well, issue. I'm gonna go follow you on Instagram. I don't think I follow you on Instagram. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna find yeah, you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably give you a follow back too, bro. But um, you know yeah, what? Like I said, I'm going to phone you right now. What's <laughs> up right now? <laughs> and like I said, I'm friend friendly because um, I, I communicate with Frampton fans. You know, we have disagreements, but I don't ever, you know, it never gets ugly. I just, you know. The thing is with Irish fans and UK fans, if if you can fight, you speak. Yeah, they'll be fans of you as well. You know what I mean? The yeah, Belfast yeah. fans especially. Yeah, that's, they, why, that's why I enjoy speaking with them all. There you go, brother. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, the Belfast fans, I think they already loved you. Yeah. There you go. Look at that, guys. There you go. I've got a new friend on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, hopefully when this fight does get made in Belfast, I'm going to be there. So I'm looking forward to speaking to you again, fight week, weigh in, and post fight. And, and of course, when we get the official, official announcement, when things are signed, you gotta, we got we to gotta talk again. We got to yeah. build. We Hopefully it's it not on Skype. Hopefully it's not on Skype, but definitely yeah. we'll talk again, brother. Be better in person, man. Definitely, <laughs> my man. Definitely. Thanks so much for doing this by Phil TV All and right, this. Stay safe God and God bless. Bless. you and family. Thank you very much, my man. Bye-bye, John. UA3 one. Tom, if everything went your way, getting the training, coaching, nutrition, do you think you would slash could be world champion? Listen, I've just talked about how hard it is at this time and day. I'm, I don't look... I've never been in front of anybody and felt like I don't... like I shouldn't be there. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. when, I remember being an amateur and, like, sparring certain lads and... You think to yourself, what the fuck am I doing here? This kid is just like, like you. Listen, you can be as confident as you want, but in the cold heart, of the, like when it comes down to it, you asked all the necessary questions to yourself. So you're the first person to, to say to yourself, you're out your depth. Yeah, you know I mean, I've never felt out my depth with anybody, even fights that ain't gone my way. I've never felt like I couldn't land shots on them, and I weren't. I weren't good enough to stand in front of them. But that ain't always enough. And when you look when you look at it, my sights ain't on I don't think any nutrition or anything. Oh listen, I couldn't have trained harder than what I've trained for their for them fight for them fights. Me and jo Josh had a had a full camp for like leading up to Saudi. I was coming off the back of the camp that I was meant to fight Lucas Brown on, had a rest, had a week out the gym, and had a proper camp for Lucas Brown. I'm not, I'm just not one of them people that's going to be walking around with a ripped up six pack, and muscles don't win fights. Like, and I eat well. I do, I do eat well. So, it won't, 
it weren't a case of where I trained hard enough. It's just that he was better. He's a better fighter. You know? He's a better man on the night. I'd fight him again in a second. I was like, they were, Ergovic was pumping me about, uh, they were like, Majidov's team was saying like, oh, where do you compare us to Ergovic and whatever? Yeah, afterwards, I said, look, just because of that's happened in two rounds, I ain't going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, you're much better. I said, because that ain't the case, mate. That That's, that's not the case. But going back to the question what you're talking about I think I think listen I could have done more with my career if I would have took it seriouslier more serious earlier do you know what I mean but listen without a shadow of a doubt I I know I will be a British champion I know I'll be a British champion British and Commonwealth champion and that's the sort of level I should be fighting at I'm not I'm not gonna keep selling myself short to these fucking Olympian monsters that <laughs> that literally got death in their eyes when you look at them. I, I'm just going to stick to, like, the Dave, the Dave Allens of the world. They're all going to fight. Like, I don't want to say, oh, I, wanna, I just want to fight people that I can blow away and, and whatever, because I wouldn't rob the people that come out to watch me to watch me fight a taxi driver. I'm past all that. But, like, the good like domestic fights. I'm I'm a good domestic level fighter. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's where where I should be at and and trying to. I just want to. I I want to achieve something before I leave boxing, whether what it may be, whether it be a southern area title or and I fight for a British title and lose or what whatever. Then at least I know. But when you have a look at the names that I have lost against. I haven't lost against domestic level fighters. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not, they're not, they're they're men that are destined to go on either challenge for world titles, or listen. I have no doubt in my my mind that Filip Ergovic would be a world world champion. No doubt at all. CT ten JJT says thoughts on Daniel Dubois. Daniel Dubois is a brilliant fighter, a very very good fighter. Um, a lot to work on, but he's still very young. Um, he'll fight for a definitely fight for a world title, wouldn't he? With the backing he's got, but I, I just reckon, I reckon he's a very good heavyweight at a very bad time to be a good heavyweight. I think this era now is going to be one of the hardest ever to ever win a world title because when Tyson goes, when, when Tyson goes, you got to have a look at what's what's left there and they're all very very good contenders for a world, a world title being like the Philip the Philip Ergoviches yeah. and every, everything like that so whether he do make that world that world title so I don't think he'd like be a great like unifier or anything I think he'll hold a version of the world title because um, there ain't enough outstandingly good men to beat him to hold all the belts unless they get hold of them all at once and then he's screwed but I think he, he's good he, I think the next I think the next two years really tells uh, tell us how, how good he actually gonna be do you know what I mean hmm. how do you compare you mentioned Philip Hargovich obviously you boxed him as well how do you compare the two mate they're chalk and cheese 
they are chalk and cheese. Like, I, no, I'm not just saying this. And I've, I've been quite vocal about it pre previously. He is definitely, other than Tyson Fury, who I've sparred, the best heavyweight I've stood in front of. That's who, Hergovic? Yeah. Like, scary power. I mean, scary power. I remember him hitting me on the arms. And uh, this is the thing. When I fought Magidoff, I know you don't think about, about this here like, as a fighter, but, like, I was coming off of two good defeat, two good wins going into him. So my confidence was on a high. Subconsciously, I was walking to that ring thinking I'm going to walk, walk straight in. He's, he's a couple of fight novice. Never mind his amateur background. I want to walk through it. And I think that showed in me performance anyway. Like, uh, I boxed very, very well against Philip. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, he's power and he's clever with it. He's not just a big puncher. He's very clever at setting stuff up and, like, he, he varies jab power. Like, very, very good fighter, him. Very good fighter. Mind you, Ben Davidson did warn me. He said he's fucking shit at him. He said, so, be careful. I was like, oh, listen... It's good money, I've got to go. Got, <laughs> family, kids, got to go, mate. Sorry. Okay, and another question that we had earlier up is, um, who's the hardest puncher that you've been in with, Tom? Ergovic. Uh, and that's a fighting or sparring, yeah? Fighting, sparring. I'll tell you what it was. It was close, though, because, like, David Price punches a lot harder in sparring than he do in fights. Like, what do you think is? I don't. I just think he's got the confidence to let he, let himself go, and he knows whatever comes back ain't like we're wearing eighteens or twenties. So, because I remember I've done a lot of round, rounds, and I was when I was t like touching. The only reason I got caught with David was I got la lazy on the inside because I I, I know where I've done so many rounds with him. I knew. If I go edge forward at him and then take half a step back, he'll, he'll go back the second time I come in exactly the same same way he went back the first time. So I edged in, in slowly, but I was thinking too much about what I was going to do the next time I come, I, I come in. And I got clipped on top of the head. And listen, Kieran stopped it a bit early. He knows that himself, but it, it is what it is, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I... I Listen, I, lo I love Pricey the bits of it. I think he's a, a lovely man. Um, so it just is what it is, isn't it? But Pro Pricey has got one of them who's not seen the, the the proper proper things, the proper benefits of what he's actually capable of. Because when you get him in, in sparring, like, he is like another, like, genuinely... He's one big, dangerous, scary man. Like he, I thought, I thought the fight was going to be a lot harder for the for while I was in there. I thought that was going to be be a lot lot harder. I, I was looking towards the back end, but the fact that like I was winning the I was winning some of the rounds. I think it was like two each up until it got stopped. I weren't, ex I weren't ex expecting that because I was just ticking over, trying, trying to keep him working until he, until he blew a, blew a bit of steam out, until a bit of that power went away. 
and then go and then and then look for a big push. But I think we see see a lot lot of what David's attributes can do if if he's let settle against Dave Allen. If you're lazy in front of him, he'll stand in front of you and punch your head in all night. Do you know what I mean? So I just think I just think David Price ain't ain't you know a, a quarter of what he's actually capable of. Okay. All right, mate. Well, Connor Ben is here. Better late than never, Connor. Um, so, Tom, before we let you go, mate, what message have you got for people who are like you? Probably not in bed, but in lockdown at this moment, mate. What message have you got for fans? If you're not in bed, go back to bed. <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, stay safe. Stay healthy. Don't be too silly. Um, and listen, be grateful for the time that we have got to spend with our families and, and be like, don't look at it so much as a curse. Look at it more as this is time to build some relationships that you might you might have been neglecting in the past. So listen, stay safe, stay healthy, and look after your loved ones. There we go. Okay. Tom Little, thanks very much for stopping by, mate. Uh, you can go back to sleep now. Yeah, God bless. See you in a bit, mate. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Yeah,